What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Well, my Christmas wish didn't happen. I know you're wondering, Wells, what was your Christmas wish? Uh, I was hoping that 2020 was all a bad dream and then we were going to get transported back to March 13th. This all wouldn't have happened. It didn't happen. It's Santa. I mean, Santa, come on. You had one job. I didn't need the cutting board that I got from you. I appreciate the cutting board. Don't get me wrong. Very excited about it. I kind of just wanted some time travel, Santa. And it didn't happen. Okay? So I'm a little peeved. A little annoyed. I'll tell you who's getting some coal in your stocking. Is you there, St. Nicholas, Chris Kringle. How many names you got anyways? Starting to think that maybe you're not real. Whatever. Roll it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. That is true. That is what it is. It is a podcast hosted by yours truly, Wells Adams. I'm so excited about today's show. I think you guys will be as well. Everyone that I talk to on this show has a job that you probably wish you had. Let's be fair. Everyone's either a famous musician or a famous actor, or a model, or a famous chef, or a famous athlete. And I imagine a lot of people that listen to this show think to themselves, man, I would love to be them. And I agree with you. Here's the thing. Of all the people that I've had on the show, I think that this guy is the guy whose job I want the most. No joke. His story's crazy and extremely diverse. His resume is packed to the brim of everything Hollywood. He's a New York boy. He went to Hofstra. He wanted to be an actor. He hustled New York. And eventually he found his little niche in writing. He wrote on the show Coach with Craig T. Nelson. He wrote on a short-lived show called Baby Talk. He acted in projects from Spanglish, The Simpsons Movie, Curb Your Enthusiasm, 30 Rock, and much more. But the thing that kind of propelled him into big-time Hollywood... He was the writer, he was the creator, the brainchild behind the show Everybody Loved Brain. It's, by the way, still one of the best. 
He's done it all. Well, I guess except for starring in his own show, which he does now. Our guest today gets to travel around the world and eat amazing food. It is the job that everyone in the world wants. Everyone on their deathbed, when you ask them, what's the one thing you wish you did? They will inevitably say, I wish I traveled more. I wish I experienced more things. And literally, Netflix is paying this guy to live all of our dreams. The star of the hit show on Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil, is our guest today on the Wells cast. I'm telling you guys, he's one of the nicest, sweetest, and funniest dudes you will ever meet. This is an episode I promise you are not going to want to miss. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. All right, back on the Wells cast. Very excited to have a man who literally has done everything, but now gets to do the greatest thing. Phil Rosenthal of Somebody Feed Phil. Which is to be on your show. Yes, exactly. Great thing. Said nobody ever. Oh, no. It's going to be happening a lot more. You're going to see. After this thing takes off, wait. Just you wait. You know, I come from the reality TV world and I've pitched shows left and right. And I think that after Bourdain passed, everybody wanted that gig. And I feel like you're the one guy who got the greatest reality TV gig ever with somebody feed Phil. How did this come about? You're right. That is the greatest gig ever. I was doing it while Bourdain was with us. But I will say this, he was the number one influence, right? I mean, everyone who travels or eats, not just on TV, but in life, 
owes a debt to Mr. Bourdain. Here's how I sold the show, by the way, with one line. I said, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> and, and I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. When I was doing Everybody Loves Raymond, we did an episode where uh, we went to Italy and Ray did not want to go. That was actually the impetus for the episode was I asked him where he was going to go on his vacation in between seasons the first year. And he said, oh, I go to the Jersey Shore. And I said, well, that's nice. Do you ever been to Europe? And he goes, nah. I said, why not? He goes, I'm not really interested in other cultures. <laughs> so that's when I thought we got to do that show where we go to Italy, his own culture that he's not interested in. <laughs> and we send him over there with that attitude of I'm not really interested. And we send him back as me, someone excited about traveling and especially Italy. I mean, come on. So I write the episode about Ray, the character, getting woke, okay, when he goes to Italy. And what happened was that thing that I wrote for the character where he gets it, I saw Ray Romano get it when we were over there. He was like, oh, my God, Phil, have you tried this gelato? It's unbelievable. Have you tried the pizza? Oh, my God, the pasta. It's crazy. I'm like, yeah, that's why we go. What? I had no idea. So now he's changed. And I thought, this is amazing. I love doing this. I love turning. I, I would dare say that's why you do what you do. You like turning people on to stuff you like, right? And so that's, that, that feeling got in really deep with me. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to do this for everybody? And so since then, and I'm talking about 20 years ago, I had that experience with Ray. And ever since then, I wanted to do this show. Raymond ended five years after that. And from that time, it took me 10 years to get the show. So it wasn't just like, I can do whatever I want. Uh, hey, I'd like to do a food and travel show. No, it took 10 years of really trying to sell this idea to people because they don't just hand these out, shows like this. And I had to convince them. I made little tapes, I made little you know, videos and stuff. It took a long time. Is Was it worth it? Yes. Yes, it was worth it. So did you go film essentially a pilot episode to pitch to different networks? There were things. Like I got asked by American Express. Once I was putting it out there that I, that I wanted to do this, they said, well, we saw you in this movie. I did a movie called Exporting Raymond where I went to Russia. And because they wanted me to help them make Raymond over there. They wanted to make Everybody Loves Kostya. <laughs> and so that movie is a documentary about me going over there and trying to help them do a sitcom, which they don't usually do. And so that was that was my first time on camera. So American Express, when they heard I wanted to do something in the food and travel space, they said, hey, do do this thing for us, for our, you know, platinum card members or whatever go to London with a famous chef and we'll film it for a week and we'll have these snippets to, you know, we'll have this film to show our card members and have a dinner around. There's something for, something for rich people. <laughs> but this was going to be the pilot for a show that they were going to sponsor. No, they just wanted these clips for rich people. Well, what I did was I made my own clips of that. And that was my kind of audition. That was my kind of pilot, Right. And I, well, I went all over town trying to sell it. And it wasn't until PBS said, we've been looking for a food and travel show with humor for a long time. 
And I called my brother, who's a producer for other TV shows and commercials. I said, I got this, I got this job. He goes, what? I said, PBS is going to give me six episodes on the air where I go around the world and try to get you to travel by showing you the best places to eat. And he said, really, they're giving you that show? I said, yeah. He goes, what are they going to call this show? The Lucky Bastard? <laughs> and I said, quit your job, Richard, and produce the show with me, and we'll call our production company Lucky Bastards. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. And that show was called I'll Have What Phil's Having. I'll Have What Phil's Having. You can see that on iTunes now or Amazon Prime. And then Netflix saw it. And they said, come to Netflix and do, uh, do we have to change the title? I said, all right. So I changed it to Somebody Feed Phil. I got Lake Street Dive to do a new theme song, which was nominated for an Emmy, the theme song. Very proud of that. I wrote down some lyrics and I sent it to them. I knew the band and they expanded on the lyrics and changed them a little bit and made that tune, which is like the most danceable theme song. It's so good. I'm so proud of it. And I'm proud of them. So great. It's probably 90% of the show's success is the theme song. When you look at like some of the great shows of all time, the theme song is definitely iconic. Seinfeld Same. with the bass, right. you know, Friends, look obviously. Friends. Yeah. I didn't know it was Lake Street. I love those guys. That's that's amazing. Oh, I would tell everybody, if, you, if this is the first time you're hearing that name, go on Spotify, go on iTunes, and just download some of their records because that they are fantastic. So you guys are in your fourth season of Somebody Feed Phil. You did Hawaii, Rio de Janeiro, San Francisco, Singapore, and the Mississippi Delta, which I love, by the way. I'm from California, but I went to school in Mississippi, so I used to go down to the Delta a lot with some of my friends and see where Isn't they grew great? up. Oh, I'm so glad. Did you go to some of the places that, that are in the show? Not where you went, but I've been all around, you know, in Greenwood and Rosedale yes. and Cleveland, all those like Mississippi Delta towns. You didn't go to Doe's Eat Place? Funny you say that because there's a Doe's Eat Place where I went to college in Oxford, Mississippi, but it's not, I guess that's not the original one, which is... I didn't even know there were there were multiple uh, locations or at least another one. I didn't even know that yeah, until, I, until recently. When I was down there, I thought that this was a one of a kind thing. By the way, it feels one of a kind. I must that that is the original, and it is spectacular. It's one of the best steakhouses in the world, don't you think? Oh yeah. For this most recent season, did you have a favorite locale? That was one of them. That, really, uh, Mississippi Delta, because it was such a surprise. I thought, listen. I'm a nice Jewish boy from New York. I don't go to the Mississippi Delta. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for me, it was like going into deliverance, right? <laughs> I didn't know how they would take to me, right? I thought I, I, thought I was going to just go in. Uh, to be honest, what's presented on TV and the media, it's like redneck central, right? I didn't know where I was going and, and how it would be treated. And you see the show. The sweetest, nicest, greatest people, so inviting, so warm. Was that your experience when you went to school there? Obviously, there's some history that's kind of hard to get around. For the most part, everyone was super nice, super hospitable. I was from California. I was one of the first people from California to go to Ole Miss. They called me a Yankee, and I was like, you guys are very – you have no idea what maps look like. I am the, I'm actually <laughs> further from a Yankee than you are, to be fair. But no, I loved it, and I did love – you know, the Delta, I have an emphasis in blues anthropology – 
And so yeah. I would sit in the mezzanine in our library and I would listen to old blues records, records that don't even exist anymore. And then we would go down to the Delta and, and we'd go to these juke joints and watch these old timers play absolutely amazing blues music in these ramshackle pre-Civil War era juke joints. If you get a chance to go back, you should go to a place called Poe Monkeys. It's in Marigold, Mississippi, and it's one of the coolest pieces of Americana left in the world. You'd love it. I'm glad that you had a good experience down there as well. I thought it was wonderful. I, and I was surprised at like the, the modernity of the food as well. Yes, you have your greatest hits, your, your, your fried chicken and ribs and all that great soul food. And, and I had like stuff like chicken fried lobster tail. Which I, I, when that comes to the table, you're like, really, people? Do we have to chicken fry everything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, can't can't we just have a steamed lobster? No. What I realized was when you chicken fry that lobster tail, first of all, you get that amazing seasoning, that batter, but it steams the lobster meat in the shell, surrounded by the batter, so you actually get the perfect steam on it. It's so tender and so juicy, and it has the flavor from the batter. That's one of the best lobsters I've had in my life. How hands-on are you with the production of the show? The bits in between where you're going? Are you able to say like, hey, listen, guys, I don't want to do that. Or are you like, that would be funny. Let's do it. Well, since it's my brother producing. Yeah. Well, right? If it was when my was... brother, he'd be fucking with me left and right. That's why I asked the question. Oh, then you already have the answer. Okay. Because that's exactly what happens. And he'll say, for instance, we're in Vietnam, and he say, okay, tomorrow you're getting up at four in the morning, and we're going to go to this island in the middle of the river, and in the middle of the island's a swamp lake, and you're going to go in there and hip waders, and you're going to pick lotus roots with the family and, and pick snails out of the thing. I'm like, you lost me at 4 a.m. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah. No, it's not fun for me, and, and it's not fun for the people watching because you're doing it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I'm old, and I'm not going in some lake that I don't know what's in there. Sure enough, I did it, and it was one of the great experiences of my life because it was, first of all, funny. Second of all, the family, the family, the family. It's always about the people you meet, right, and the experience. And it was gorgeous because I was there. Why? Before, before, before sunrise. And I got to see the sunrise over this thing. And if you see that sequence, it's kind of spectacular. And he was right. Don't tell him <laughs> that he was right. But 90% of the time, he's right because he knows me and he knows it'll be, first of all, funny. And second of all, worth doing because I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, which is all I want people to do. You know, this show is for people who don't travel. Two thirds of us don't have a passport in America. So if I'm trying to get you to travel, I'm starting with what I think are Earth's greatest hits, the stuff that's going to be accessible, where a lot of people speak English there, and there's going to be a hotel. You don't have to sleep in a tree, right? There's going to be restaurants with food that you recognize, right? And, and yet, once you're there, you might be tempted to try something new. So that's why. So if you see me going out of my comfort zone. If you just see, I think if people say, if, if that putz can go outside, maybe <laughs> I can too, right? I love that, man. And I do, I love to travel as well. And I like to do weird shit and eat weird stuff. I'm definitely like a when in Rome type of guy. 
But I guess I have my limits. I heard that you don't eat before you film. You know how they make a dog food commercial. They don't feed the dog until the commercial. So the dog looks excited to eat. That makes practical sense, doesn't it? Yeah. If I went to Vietnam and they said, here's this guy, he makes this dish, he's been doing it for 60 years, and here it is. And I went, man, it's all right. <laughs> That's not a good show, is it? Now, I'm not acting. I really do feel excited, but I'm extra excited maybe because what you see me eating in each scene is probably the first thing I ate that day. Yeah. Right. So it looks like I'm a pig and I eat nonstop, but you're seeing a week's worth of filming condensed into an hour. And that those scenes, there's maybe one or two of them a day. So that's it. And, and I learned, by the way, from doing that American Express thing in London, they booked us on that gig. They booked us into 27 restaurants in seven days. And because I was with a famous chef, they were all like white tablecloth, fancy meals. So when the food was coming, I was like, oh, no, like I have to eat again. <laughs> I, you don't want that. Yeah. You want to go, oh, yeah, not oh, no. So that I learned that you, you pace yourself. You don't finish anything. First of all, I have a crew there who's looking at me like this, uh, you know, while I'm eating. So it'd be cruel not to share it with them. I love sharing it with them because it's fun to see their faces light up. And what that also does is it saves my belly for the next thing I'm going to taste, right? So I want to taste as many things as possible because you never know where that home run's going to be, right? Somebody said, it looks like Phil likes everything. Like, doesn't he not like it? Yeah, you don't see that in the show. <laughs> If I don't like it, it's not in the show. I'm trying to get you to travel. I'm trying to sh show you the best stuff. There's no reason to show you the stuff that's just okay or bad, right? If it's really bad, like the thousand-year-old egg I ate in Hong Kong, which almost killed me, then you hear my brother laughing on the other side of the camera. We leave that in. It's funny that I almost died. Tim. <laughs> Do you have any limits if it's so disgusting, and, and by disgusting, everybody has their line for disgusting, right? So I think I'm like most Americans who don't want to eat bugs and snakes. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. And that's an American thing in other cultures and other countries. You know, they do that. My friend told me he was the guest of honor at a, in a rural dinner in China. And because he was the guest of honor, the American. They brought over a poisonous snake to the table live and held it up next to him and took out a knife and cut open the snake while it's alive, pulled out the gallbladder of the poisonous snake and squeezed the gallbladder into a glass and gave it to him to drink as the guest of honor, to which I say, please don't honor me because <laughs> I would faint in that situation. I would faint. First of all, I would run screaming out of the restaurant at the sight of the live snake. Yeah. Second, cutting it open, faint. Third, squeeze the gallbladder, faint. Give me the glass, faint. I would never recover from this. I asked my friend, so, so why didn't you just say, you know, I, I physically can't. I'm going to be. Uh, he goes, that would have been the greatest insult to them because they were doing this special for me. I had to do it. I said, and? He goes, I, I drank it. And I go, and he goes, it was much grosser than you think. I'm, well, then that is off the charts gross because I'm thinking it's going to be really gross. He goes, you know what the worst part was? It was warm. 
Of course. Of course it's warm. That is really. So I see your face. I, I know. So these are things that most people from America wouldn't do. But in another land, in another culture, I'm not disparaging them at all. That is their thing. That is like the height of, I don't know, virility, honor. For you to have that, it's a very special thing. I don't know what I would do in that situation other than not get myself into that situation. Yeah. Right? So that I don't have to insult anybody because that's the last thing I want to do. I have tried a bug or two in the show when pushed, right? Mm-hmm. I have gone a little out of my comfort zone. And I can tell you that I've eaten an ant or two, right? Because it's been served to me this way. This one Japanese chef said, try this ant. It tastes like lemon. To which I said, in that case, could I please have lemon? (laughs) And he said, I want you to try this ant. And because the person I was with, this nice lady, did it, I mustered up all my courage to take that ant and put it in my mouth with all the courage I could muster, bite down on that. And then... Damn if it didn't taste like lemon. (laughs) And so now the questions. Okay, chef, what did you do? Baste this in lemon so that it tastes like lemon? He goes, no. These ants, not every ant, these particular ants from this particular part of this forest in Japan taste like lemon. I don't know who was the first guy to discover that, but yes. But that was interesting, and it didn't kill me, and it was something cool, and I have a story to tell you, right? <laughs> the gallbladder story, It there's a part of me that thinks that they're like, hey, here comes a stupid American. Let's, let's just see nope. if he'll do it. Nope. I know that's what it must feel like, like a prank. Yeah. But they really, that you know, again, we can't disparage. We can't, we can't say or, or judge. Because it, the cultures are different. And we, we, the whole point of the show is to be more accepting and understand. There's just things that I know that I'm a wuss and I'm not doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been all over. Where are places that you've kind of pinned on the map that you want to go for future seasons? Oh, I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't scratched the surface of the earth. Yeah. Right? So we've done 22. Somebody feed Phil's and six. I'll have what Phil's having. That's 28 places. There are 190 countries and thousands of cities in those countries to see. So I haven't been to India yet. Have you? No. So got to see that. I've been to Australia. I've been to Sydney once in my life, but not on the show. So I got to do that. And the rest of Australia is spectacular. New Zealand, I haven't been. I haven't been to Greece or Turkey in my life. Got to do that. So I could keep going. I mean, there's there's a million places to, to go. I just need Netflix to let me keep doing it and for COVID to be over so I can go. I guess just logistically, did you film this last season right before COVID? Right before we finished in mid-January. So yeah. just under the wire, really. It's lucky. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that Rio show, that was mid-January we filmed that. And there's 500,000 people out on the beach dancing for Carnival. Yeah. Man, I'm so jealous of you. I also wanted to talk about your charity, Somebody Feed the People. Oh, thanks. That's great. So somebodyfeedthepeople.org, I started because I saw it started from a, I guess you would say it's political, but it's not. It's just human people being forced to wait online because they were shutting the polling places, which is not right. We have a right to vote. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us America. And I thought, what could we do to make this these long lines more tolerable? What if we fed the people? So I started somebodyfeedthepeople.org, and we were getting 
with the World Central Kitchen and other organizations, food trucks and restaurants, local restaurants out to feed the people online to just a small act of kindness. But then I thought while this was going on, you know, after the election, there's a lot of hungry people, not just because of COVID, but because of all the other reasons that people are hungry. So I'm going to keep this going. And I want your, your listeners to know that if they go to somebodyfeedthepeople.org and contribute to World Central Kitchen through that portal, I'm going to match their donation. That's what I want to do. So that's, that's somebodyfeedthepeople.org. Go, give, I'm going to match it. It's a nice way to help people in this terrible time. That's amazing, man. And also, is it true you're writing a book? I mean, it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. People need a blueprint of where the hell to go. So tell everyone about the book. Sure. Well, there, I have a website called philrosenthalworld.com, and you can get merch there, that, and that goes to charity as well. It's also practical because it's a website that has everywhere we go on the show, not just every place, but everywhere we ate and what we ate, and the websites within those of where you can just now have this instead of watching the show and writing stuff down, right? And then now Simon and Schuster asked me to do a companion book to the series, Somebody Feed Phil the Book. That's going to have stories and behind the scenes photos and most importantly, favorite recipes from everywhere we went. Have you tried to recreate some of these weird recipes? I cannot. Yeah. I'm not a chef. <laughs> I'm not a chef. What I do is sometimes if there's like a condiment or some item that I didn't know, I can bring that home and remind me of the place. I love doing that. Yeah. And the other thing about traveling is you must do this too. Let's say you go to Thailand, for instance, and you have like, I had this dish that I didn't know about called cow soy, this incredible fresh hand pulled noodle bowl of coconut curry with whatever meat you want in there. And then crispy noodles on top. It's one of the best things I ever ate. And it costs a dollar when you're there. So I wrote down the name of that dish, cow soy, K-H-A-O-S-O-I. And when I got to Los Angeles, we're, we're lucky to live in Los Angeles because why? We have the most diversity of every, any other place on earth. More people live here outside their native lands than anywhere else on earth. For example, we have the biggest Korean population in the world outside of Korea, the biggest Chinese population outside of China, the biggest Mexican population outside of Mexico. It's here. So I go on Google Cow Soy Los Angeles. 15 places at least that have it. So that's how, if you ask me, do I cook from the thing? No, I find the place <laughs> that makes it well. These are Thai people who came here and make cow soy for me. <laughs> this portion of the podcast brought to you by Postmates. <laughs> I love that, man. And... I just love that this the, the whole concept of this show I think is so cool. The concept that you and your brother are getting to do it together is just, it's just so fun. Thank you. And by the way, since we're in this terrible time of COVID and mm -hmm. we can't travel, you, you mentioned Postmates, but that that's, that's a real way to travel. Yeah. You see, while you can't, pick a restaurant tonight that may be of a, of a cuisine that you haven't tried. And all I'm asking is look at, look at the menu on your phone. Just look at the menu. You're going to find something that sounds interesting to you that you want to try and try it. That's how you spice up this time at home, by ordering something other than the usual. Now you have like an event. That's how you make things exciting. Keep it fresh, right? I love that. People knew you as the guy who created 
uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, and now everyone knows you as the guy for Somebody Feed Phil. Quick story. I'm in the airport right before lockdown, right? And I'm waiting for my bag. And somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, you're the food guy. <laughs> and I said, well, oh, thanks. I guess I always wanted to be known as that, I guess, right? <laughs> and he goes, hey, listen, I'm just the guy. <laughs> So I learned something, right? If you're recognized for anything, it's a nice thing, right? It doesn't matter what you're recognized for. If he wants to call me the food guy, that's very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just the guy. What brings you or brought you more joy? Being the guy who created an iconic sitcom or being the food guy? I'm going to say both. And I know that's a cop out. But here's the thing. At that point in my life, my 30s and 40s, making Raymond was the absolute pinnacle of my life to that point. It was phenomenal to be part of something like that. Now, I've taken 10 years later, 15 years later, everything I've learned about how to make a show, right? How to tell a story. And it's now in the service of everything else I love in life. What's that? Family, friends, food, travel, and laughs, right? And add to that everything else I love about show business, which is the writing, the directing, the producing, the performing now even, right? In it, being in it is really fun. The editing, every, I love everything about show business except the business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the business part of show business is the part that prevents you from doing the show part of show business, right? So once you get past the business, show business is great. And I love that this is this time in my life now. I just have to keep doing it. I want to keep doing it. Netflix hasn't said I get to yet. They don't let, they don't have shows that run a long time now, right? That they only renew 5% of their existing series. So if you're listening to this and you like the show, call Netflix and say, yes, more, please. I would like to do more. <laughs> I'd like to order seconds, please. I know that's greedy. Listen, I thought after we filmed the first scene of the first one of these that we ever did, I thought if it ended now, I'd be happy right? yeah. because I felt so lucky to get to do this. Look, I got a flight to Spain and I got to eat this food. Wow. For it to happen 27 more times, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So if it ended now, I can't complain. But I promise you this, I'm going to find a way to keep doing this, whether it's there or somewhere else. I'm going to find the way of it so much. And I feel like it's important. We got a message to give, which is a message of love and tolerance and, and happiness and, and exploration. And that's what life's about. We see how quickly it can be taken away. That's very true. I'm not too worried for you, Phil, because every time I open up Netflix, you're one of like the suggested for me and like top trending on Netflix and everything. So I think the show is doing very well. So congratulations. And if Netflix doesn't pick it up, one, they're stupid, and two, I think someone else will. Well, thanks. Uh, could you run Netflix for me? Yes. <laughs> I will call them up and I'll let them know. The great thing about them, they're very supportive and they let you do the show you want to do. And when you deliver five or six episodes to them, right, they push a button. It's on 190 countries around the world. Yeah. So uh, that I mean, there's nothing that compares to that. So I want to stay there. Is there anything that I didn't ask you or talk to you about or that you wanted to promote before we kind of switch gears? No, just uh, if people want to keep up with me, they can go to my Instagram, mm -hmm. Phil.Rosenthal or on Twitter, Phil Rosenthal. That's it. Okay, quick break. When we come back, we're going to do the Wells cast. Phil, we're going to find out where the hell you came from and how the hell you got here. You ready for that? Oi. <laughs> Stick around. 
Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit bartesian.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. All right, back in the Wells cast. Very, very happy to have the star of Somebody Feed Phil, which is on Netflix right now. They're in the middle of season four. It's a show you absolutely have to watch. Phil, just going over your bio, it's bonkers. You've literally done everything in show business. I need to know how the hell this all happened. So let's go back to the beginning. Phil, where are you from? I was born in Queens, New York, Jamaica Hospital. You know who else is from Jamaica? Who? Donald J. Trump. Oh, yeah? Yep. That's why I'm exactly like him. Yeah. <laughs> then I lived in the Bronx for a while and then uh, Rockland County, which is a half hour north of the city. And then I went to Hofstra University on Long Island and then moved into Manhattan and tried to make it in New York. And uh, it was uh, horrible for me because it was I had nothing but odd jobs and terrible experiences. I loved every second of it, by the way, because I loved, I've talked about this, the pursuit of happiness is its own thing, right? We're lucky to live in a land where we get to pursue what we want. Imagine living in a country where you'll do what your father did, or you do what your mother did, and that's it. You don't have a choice, right? Look, I was happy having really crappy jobs in New York in my 20s out of college, why? Because I could at least pursue what I wanted. What were some, what of, the some of the jobs? Yeah. First job, being a theater major, right? I sold farm and implement cleaner on the phone <laughs> in a boiler room on Park Avenue South. Boiler room is a giant room of poor schmucks on phones trying to sell <laughs> That's what I did. 
I did that lasted about four months. Then I was a guard at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, a guard. And at one point I was working the midnight shift, the midnight, the graveyard shift, they call it from midnight to eight in the morning. And I was fired. You know why? Why? They found me at 5 a.m. asleep in a gallery <laughs> on a 300 year old bed. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a terrible moment in my life. And then I was a, I managed a deli for a year. That was better. I gained 15 pounds doing that. I was a temp. I was a bartender. I was, uh, I worked in offices and law offices, putting uh, legal inserts into the books. I did all kinds of crappy jobs. But in the meantime, I was also trying to get an agent and be in plays and do, you know, do the New York theater thing. And it wasn't until some friends of mine and I wrote a show for ourselves to be in that it occurred to us that you do write your own ticket. And that became successful. And that was my transition to writing. And, and then I moved to Hollywood. And, and, uh, and then I started writing sitcoms, uh, working on other people's shows. And then finally, I got this tape of this Ray Romano fellow who had been on Letterman. And they let him in and said, after six minutes, there should be a show for this guy. So they looked for a writer to create a show for Ray Romano. And I met with him and we hit it off. And that was that. What were some of the sitcoms you wrote on before Everybody Loves Raymond? Have you ever heard of Robert Mitchum? 40s and 50s. He was a film noir actor. He played like Philip Marlowe in movies. He was, you know, a tough guy. Mm -hmm. He was the first uh, actors to be arrested for smoking marijuana. In the, in the 50s. He was really cool and really tough. However, in 1989, when I first got to Los Angeles, they were doing a sitcom for him. And I got hired. That was my first job, was being a staff writer on the Robert Mitchum sitcom. It lasted seven episodes. And I learned a lot. I learned, Because what you can learn from your first show, you can learn from any show. And so I learned at least the workings of a sitcom. I went from that to the TV version of Look Who's Talking. Remember Ooh. that movie? Yep. The Baby Talks. It was called Baby Talk. I met a, uh, an actor there who was, it was his first lead in a sitcom, and his name was George Clooney. Oh. And we started there, and to this day, when we see each other, we hug and we say, we survived Baby Talk. <laughs> I also read that a lot of the dynamic between Ray and his wife was real life situations that you dealt with. Yes, because the writer has to write, you know, what they know. And this was a perfect uh, show to do that for. You know, Carl Reiner, who did the Dick Van Dyke show, he would ask his writers, what happened at your house this week? Because he was doing a show about a family. And I thought, this is how we're going to do my show. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to go home every night for dinner. We're going to make sure we're home because that's where the stories. If you work for me. Your job was to go home, get in a fight with your wife, come back in and tell me about it because that's where the show was coming from. And so I used everything I had and, and every writer used everything they had and Ray too. And so that's why the show seemed real because it was. Well, I mean, you've done everything, projects like uh, Spanglish. Which, by the way, my fiance's brother was in Spanglish. Curb, 30 Rock. Obviously, you are now an author. You are doing this travel reality show. What's been like the career highlight for you? This right now, this, your yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is it. It doesn't get better than this. Because, and, and I'm only half joking because you are reminding me 
and we're talking about where I am at this moment in life. And right now is the best time. As awful as this is yeah. in COVID, I have a lot of hope and I have a lot of positivity about the future. The vaccine is here. We're all going to get it and the world will be returned to us. Here's what I say. We're going to appreciate the world so much. We're going to be so grateful and so happy. And that feeling is going to last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're all going to go back to complaining. Hey, this coffee is cold, right? <laughs> Phil, I know I, I got to let you go. I could literally talk to you for hours. You're an absolute delight. Before you go, do you have time for some rapid fire questions? Anything you want, my friend. Okay. Rapid fire questions with Phil Rosenthal. Number one, what's your favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Do you have a favorite book? I just read Woody Allen's autobiography. It's hilarious. Who was your first kiss? Lauren Lazinski. What was the first concert you ever went to? The Fifth Dimension at Carnegie Hall. First job you ever had? First job? Camp counselor. What was the camp? The YMYWHA in Rockford County. First car, make model. Plymouth Sundance. Biggest pet peeve? Noise in the restaurants when it's too loud. Most famous person in your cell phone contacts? Ooh, let's say Ray Romano. First record cassette vinyl CD that you bought? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to say the monkeys. Wow. Yeah, that was a record, right? I think so. Meet the monkeys. Meet the monkeys. Favorite superhero? Superman. Weirdest superstition that you have? I should work out every day. (laughs) What's one thing that's always in your fridge? Oh, why is that taking a long time? Leftovers. There's always leftovers in my fridge. How would you describe your high school self? Nerdy, shrimpy, shy. Who's your celebrity crush? Salma Hayek. And that's a good one. And lastly, one piece of advice you'd give to someone that wants to be successful like you. Do the show you want to do, because in the end, they're going to cancel you anyway. <laughs> Bill Rosenthal, thank you so much for being on the Wells cast. You are awesome. You're even more rad than I thought you would be, and I thought you were going to be pretty awesome. So uh, oh, thanks for living up to it. Everyone, go watch Somebody Feed Phil. It's out now on Netflix. Call Netflix and tell them that Phil needs a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth season. And when, when Phil finally dies years from now that I get to take over the show. It's a deal. <laughs> all right, buddy. Happy holidays to you and yours. And hopefully when this is all over, you know, we can go get a bite. Where are you? Studio City. Not far from uh, some of the best sushi in the world. Very true. Very true. Right? Yep. All right. Hope to see you. I really mean it. Thanks right. for having me. Thanks for being so nice. Thank you, Phil. You rock, man. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Well, he's the coolest dude I've ever met in my entire life, and that was awesome. And I really, 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 really enjoyed that. I also really would like that job. So there's that. I'm going to go order that dish that he was talking about with the noodles and stuff because I want that now. All right. See you guys. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust 
into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.